asked this question, what does spiritual maturity look like? And as a group, we decided, you know what? It doesn't necessarily have to do with attendance in church. It doesn't have to do with reading the Bible and knowledge about the Bible necessarily. It doesn't have to do with how much you listen to Caleb and if all your presets on your radio are set to Caleb, you know? Well, we decided that really when it comes down to it, spiritual maturity, when we say someone is winning, someone, someone is, do they love Jesus more this year than they did last year? It's kind of nice, isn't it? It's kind of simple. And, and here, here's the thing. If you do, if you want, if, if your desire is to get closer to God, you're going to find yourself opening the word. You're going to be like, I can't stay away from this because when I open it, I find out more about him. And that's my goal. And if, if you're getting closer to God, I, I, I really think, I really believe this. And this is kind of like audacious to say in this day and age. If you really want to get closer to God, you're going to find yourself in a room like this at a church. Because you're going to find, you're going to be like, where are the people who are wanting to do the work of God in a community, in a local community? I want to be with them. What's God up to? And I, what, you know, I've had a long week. How can I center myself on God? Oh, I'm going to go to church. And if, you, if, if you've gone to church and that's not been your experience, I'm so sad. Because it's the reality right now. It's not, you can't just go into any church and, and get filled up and feel accepted and feel like, man, this is, this is God on the move. It's just not true. But the reality is, is yeah, and, and maybe Caleb might be a part of that, might be not, but you might say, hey, there's a song in my heart. If you're getting closer to God, you're going to find there's a song in your heart for him and towards him. And it's, that's it. It's that simple. Students, one of the things I love about where you are in your, your life is every day, every week, every month, you might not feel this way right now, but you're getting stronger. You're getting smarter you're learning more about yourself. And the question is, as you get stronger, as you get smarter, as you learn more about yourself, will you choose, because it's your choice, to draw toward, closer to God? Will you use that strength to strengthen your relationship and become closer to him? And put your time and energy and be more becoming more like him. That's simply what it means, basically, what we could say is like, you're, you're, you're spiritually mature or you're spiritually maturing if you have a heart moving toward God. That's what we look for around here. It's pretty simple. It's pretty good. Let's pray. Just joking. That's not the end. Because I want, I want to have Jesus, be, but we could end it right there. I want to have Jesus weigh in on the subject, and, and just to warn you, he gets in your face. What I'm going to share with you today is very forward. It's almost intrusive. He has, he has a couple things from the Sermon on the Mount that we're going to look at, two sections of the Sermon on the Mount that I want to look at today, that's going to answer this question, are you getting closer to God? But Jesus is a little bit more forward than I am, a little bit more forward than, than what we were just talking about, like, like just this dance where we're kind of getting closer to God. And basically, in this section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus invites us to look at He's like, if you want to know if you're close to God, wouldn't it be kind of interesting to know Jesus' take on this? If, if Jesus was to say, Jesus invites us to take a look at two things. If you want to know if you're closer to God, he says, look at your spare time and your spare money. Everybody say spare time, spare money. 
If you want, hey, this is my tea. If you want to know if you're closer to God, Jesus, like we'll look at it on the Sermon on the Mount, would say it's really pretty simple. Look at the way you use your time, your spare time. That time when, when, when you show up and the, like you're, you have nothing else to do. It is your time. The house is quiet. Nobody else is around. And you can do whatever you want. In fact, let's just, let's just do this. Let's just say this afternoon. Some of you have this and some of us don't. But say you have this afternoon three hours with nothing. Nobody. Nobody's around. Nobody's expecting anything of you. What are you going to do? How are you going to use your time? What's the first thing that you might do? Wouldn't it be fun to pa pass the, we get to know each other so well if we could pass the mic around right now. Three hours. How would you use your spare time? When you're lying in bed at night and you can't sleep and it's not one of those, oh, I can't sleep. It's just like you're just pleasantly just kind of in that zen you know, zone and just kind of like, like kind of relaxing. What do you think about? What pops into your brain? Where do you find your mind wandering? That's what your spare time is. What's interesting is, Jesus would say, where you find yourself drifting with your spare time over and over and over again, that's your God. Ooh. That's, that's what you're leaning on in your life. It's that simple. That's what your focus is on, right? If the epicenter, if it's not God, it's something over here, and you keep thinking about that hobby, that new business idea, that girl, that boy, that, that thing, that, that, that activity, the house, the real estate adventure, you know, retirement. You're leaning on those things. If you're spending, wherever you find your spare time, what... Jesus would say, check your spare time. Whatever you just find yourself coming back to again and again, that's a type of God. He would also say, check your money. This one, this one, where, so where, you know, for your money, where do you spend your money most effortless, effortlessly? Where, where, do you, where do you find yourself, like, you get, you, maybe you've got a bonus coming in at work, or you're saving towards something, and you're like, I can't wait to fill in the blank. And again, like, if, you're, if you find yourself consistently there, that, that, is, that is a form of, you're leaning on that. You're looking forward to that. You're, you're wanting that to, 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 to manifest in your life. And it, there's, you're looking through that maybe even for a form or type of happiness. Jesus would say, careful, because that could be your God. I keep saying Jesus, say, let's actually look at the words. Let's, let's, let's look at this. This is Matthew 6, 19 through 21. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn in there. This is out, straight out. This is right in the meat of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is talking, again, as you guys turn there to Matthew 6, um, the Sermon on the Mount, we've talked about this, we're, we're doing a, a series where we talk about the Sermon on the Mount every week, some portion of it. 
And the reason why I feel like it's so important, and, and we decided a couple months ago to do this series, is like, you know what? If we want to be Christians, if we want to follow Christ, this is kind of like his stump speech. Like, he went around, this is probably, the, the, most of the Gospels have some form of this sermon in it. So it was something that Jesus didn't just say once, like, oh, that's kind of cool what he said about money today. It's like, oh, no, here, he's talking about money again. And in the Sermon on the Mount is really his, again, stump speech is a good way of looking at it, because if Jesus was running for president, this is what he would want his country to look like. This is what he would want his kingdom to look like. This is what he, the way he would want his followers to think about the world, to think about their money, to think about their time. And, and, and so he, he spells it out, and, and we know, if you've read the Sermon on the Mount, it's challenging. It's really challenging, and today's no exception. He talks about money, and he says this about it. Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. A couple years ago, we had some good friends that built a brand new house in Evergreen. There's not many brand new houses in Evergreen. There's not a lot of lots left right now. They built this brand new house, and it was gorgeous. They went to all of these parade homes and, like, like these tours and picked out design ideas from, like, you know, this mountain modern design. Got it finished. It's got, like, in-floor heating, you know, big spacious ceilings. Two months after they moved in, they had a water leak, and it destroyed all of the wood floors. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth. Where, where rust and, and, what is it, where, where, where moth and vermin destroy. There's a house, there's another house up here. Maybe you saw, if you haven't, this is actually really entertaining. It's up on Upper Bear, and it was for sale. I don't know if it ever sold. It was $12 million. And it was, it was yeah, some of you guys know it. It was designed after the Biltmore in, is that North Carolina, I think? Like this giant, beautiful, kind of more colonial style in the mountains, big view of Mount Evans, $12 million. The story that I heard, I don't know if it's true, was that somebody custom-built that home. They moved into it from out of state. The wife got altitude sickness, and they had to move out and sell it. You see the shirt that I'm wearing? This is a Pendleton shirt. Yes, I'm showing off right now. I got it at a thrift store. I got it at Echo. For like 5 or $10, like years and years ago, Pendleton, this is wool. And I love this shirt. And one day, a couple years ago, I went into my closet, and I saw a hole in it. And I was like, Chrissy, what happened? She's like, Josh, that's moths. I was like, what century are we living in right now? No, I legitimately thought, I was like, that, that is a thing from like the 1800s or before, right? Like moths actually still eat our clothes? Yes, they do. Do not store up for yourselves treasures. On earth. Like, like, I was legitimately sad because this is one of my favorite. I mean, look at it. It's amazing. I mean, I'm still preaching in it, but like, see, here's the thing. And maybe you've noticed this too about owning things, ownership, stuff. I, I, we know some really wealthy people with some really cool places. Oh, here's another story. Yeah, one of the wealthiest guys I know, I used to work with uh, fly for as a fly fishing guide at his ranch. This big, thousands of acres ranch, right? I remember the day, this is years and years ago. I remember the day he, he, the man lived out of state at the time. 
and he fl he'd fly in to come to the ranch, and then I'd meet him there to take him and his guests fly fishing. I remember the day that he, that he came to the ranch for the first time that year, and that winter, a whole bunch of trees had died because of beetle kill. Something that he was completely unaware of. He got to the ranch. I was there when he, he was looking out on his view, and the head rancher was with us there, and he's like, what happened? What just happened? And they're like, well, these are beetles that kills, you know, like they're thinking 80 to 90% kill in this area. And I saw his heart sink because that was his ranch. It was his view. It was his property. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where rust and, and, and uh, what is it, rust and vermin. Can I, mom, can I tell the story of your house? My mom has one of the most beautiful houses I've ever seen. She had, like the last two years she's been plagued. I mean, this is like a biblical plague of mice in her garage. And it's like, it's, it's like tainted the house. It's like, it, it's these little tiny vermin. That's just the way, the nature of this, of this world. The things in this world, the, it, if, you, if you lean on them, if you make them your thing, you know, you epicenter around it like, oh man, I'm going to make this my thing. It's going to let you down. The word that comes to my mind with this is heartbreak. It will lead towards heartbreak. Think about what you want right now. Like if you had a lot of money right now, what would you buy? What would you get? What would you do with that money? And, and what would you get for yourself? Be careful because if you get it, you might not find what it, that's all that it's cracked up to be. And it could lead towards heartbreak, right? We can see that clearly now, but when it comes to your own thing, your store, you know, it, it's, and I've been reflecting on it this week a ton because we had an expensive week, right, Bruce? Bruce works at Home Depot. I was at Home Depot so much this week, I started wearing orange and people started asking, like I, don't, I just un, un, unconsciously put orange on and people were asking me where things are. I'm like, oh yeah, that's over in Fasteners, aisle 15. Because we're building our house, we're remodeling, I'm having a blast, we're so excited for it to be done, and Christy and I, Christy and I usually, most Saturday nights, kind of sit and chat through my sermon, or if she's preaching her sermon, and like, I'm thinking about this, and thinking about that, and, she, and we were like, you know, I'm going through this, and she's like, man, this house. And she like, almost like half said, half prayed, like, Lord, help us not to lean on it too much. Because it's a, a source of joy, and I think God, hear, hear me right, I think God loves that. I think God made us, in a, almost in a sense, made us for that, made all of these things for us to interact with, create, enjoy, partake, uh, 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 discover, conquer. You know, like, I think that's all part, like, all can be a part of the life of a heart moving towards God as long as God is actually the epicenter. Here's the other thing about this. It's a, this goes beyond money and stuff. In fact, here, go ahead and put the, put the big idea up for today, and then we'll get, come back to it. Never center yourself on something that can be taken away. I think that's what Jesus is trying to get at here. And Jesus is saying, hey, in my kingdom, I want us to think differently. I want us to, put, I want us, I want us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then let all these other things fall. You know, that, that's like actually later in the same chapter, in chapter 6. He says, you know, seek first God, and then you'll just find that, that life just has a way of falling into place in the right places, where you're not leaning on them in improper ways that you're, they lead towards heartbreak. 
Never center yourself on something that, can't, that can be taken away. Students, again, as you are growing stronger, as you're getting smarter, as you're learning what you're good at, you're going to be really tempted. We've all gone through this. This is like a test all of us go through in life. We've all gone through this, this period where it's like, is this my thing? I'm really good at basketball. Is that my thing? I'm really smart at this subject. Is that my thing? And, and you can have that thing. But the moment you start building your identity on it, oof, look out. Because what if something happens? What if you get, I remember years ago, I was at a football game with my buddy Justin Lucas. Some of you guys met him a couple weeks ago. He came to Scatter Church. And he was in high school at the time. And he's this big, tall, like, like you know, you'd look at me like athlete, you know, like just, you know, he's just an athletic guy. Loved sports, all kinds of sports. Play, you know, like start, you know, by the end of his, his high school career, he's basically starting three sports at his school. I'm at this football game, and he's the quarterback, and he, he takes a snap, and he gets sacked, and he goes down, and he doesn't get back up. And all of us who know him in the, in the, um, in the stands know that he has had several concussions in the last couple of years. And I, I immediately um, got up out of my chair, and as they were escorting him off, he, he was okay. He didn't have to go to the hospital or anything, but it was very clear he had gotten another concussion. And I just ditched the stands and went straight. To, I knew the coach, and I went behind the lines, and I was like, let me just talk with Justin. And I just, I just sat there with him. We, we prayed together because I knew, and he knew this as well, that was his last game. That was the last time he'd play football. And he'd play a couple other sports, but it was, he was so tentative Sports were never the same again. Never put your identity or, or center yourself on something that can be taken away from you, students. Like, like these things, they're fleeting. They're, they're here today, gone tomorrow. So then what do we put our, what, what can we center ourselves on? God himself. There's a verse in, in the Old Testament that says, he is my rock, he is my fortress. That's the relationship that Jesus is, is, is wanting us to step into, is inviting us into. And he says, if you want, do you want to know if you have it? It's really simple. Check your spare time. And check your spare change. This, oh, by the way, this is our, you guys got that? I, did, I forgot to, this is our money jar. There's probably like 200 bucks in here. I probably shouldn't say that, but. You know, you, know, you take this to the bank, and it's like, ah, you didn't think it was that much, and then it turns out to be a lot. Take a check right now. Where do you spend your money? Where do you, where do you most quickly spend your money? Where, where do you spend your time? Guys, this is challenging for me. You guys know I love a lot of stuff in life, if you know me. My mind goes a lot of different directions, and there's times where I'm, I lay in bed. I'm like, but God, are you at the center of that? Because it's not either or. We, we, we're made to do these things, right? But there's, is, can we all agree there's a way that we can do them where that, those things become what's important, what's ultimate. And God's kind of like, oh, yeah, God. Do not, let's, let's read our verse fully. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy. In other words, there's a better way. 
There's a way to live your life where we're storing up treasures in heaven. We'll get to that in a second. Where moths and vermin do not destroy. Where thieves do not break and steal. And then he says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And here's where I want to take a time out. Because this is really the guts of the passage. This is the thrust. This is Jesus making his point. If you disagree, if you're pumping the brakes and be like, Josh, this is ridiculous. This is too extreme. I just want to, like... I want to I illustrate for us how powerful money actually is by just saying this. Let's say I had access to your bank account. And I, I got all the access numbers, I, I, got, them, I got them from, from Barry here, and, and he gave them to me because he's a, a banker. And then I took all of your money, and I put it in one single stock, RPS. Whatever, if that's a stock, I put it in RPS. That's the call, the Wall Street call numbers. Okay, New York Stock or the New York Stock Exchange call numbers. RPS is now it has all of your money in your bank account. What would you do this afternoon? You would very quickly go find out what the heck RPS is. I know you would, because I I would be like I would by the end of the day I would know everything about RPS. And what goes on in that company? Is the CEO a good CEO? What do they make? What's the market like right now? Why? Because that's my money, right? You, you can, I mean, I, you can, I can see it in your eyes. You can feel that angst. I'm, I'm making some of you anxious by just even saying this. It's not true, by the way. But that's the truth about our money. It, where our treasure is, that's where your heart is. It's just the way it works, Right? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Make sure it's in the right place is what Jesus is trying to say. Okay, let's go to the time. Earlier in this chapter, let's talk about prayer. So when, when talking about time, I want actually, Jesus, Jesus would say, what does your prayer life look like? Because again, he says it this way. Um, Verse 6, we'll go back to verse 5 in a second. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Again, what do you do in your solitude? Prayer requires solitude. Go back up to verse 5. He's like, don't pray like this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love praying standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. You ever known somebody whose spirituality is more about what they can be known by than what they actually are? That Jesus, what does he call? He calls that person somebody. Truly, you have received. Oh, no, he calls the next people hypocrites here in a second. But that's very hypocritical. Like, like basically, he's like, check your spirituality. Have, have you ever caught yourself saying, saying you pray for people more than you actually pray? Oh, yeah, I'm praying for you on that. You, you, oh, yeah, I'll pray for that. And then you just go on with life. It's, it's easy to do. That's basically, like, d- don't do that. Actually, when you have solitude, when you have, and, and, and you might say, I don't get much solitude. You get solitude. There's, we, we, you might be in the, the throes of, of life and be super bu- busy. You have time. You can make time. What do you do with your solitude? When you're, when you're in your room and the door is closed, is the Father even in the picture? Jesus would say, pray to the Father who is unseen. Then your Father who, is the, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Isn't that a beautiful like, like, like promise? 
like, like God, God blesses the people who just seek him in their solitude. Again, what, what do you do with your time? When, when the doors are closed and it's your time, do you think, like, is God on your mind? If not, you might not be as close to God as you think. Again, it's not necessarily about what you know about God. It's not about what you say. It's not about the cross around your neck. It's really the, 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 the acid test for your heart for, to see if your heart moving towards God is, what do you do in your solitude? Does God just, like, here's a question I love asking. Do you, ever, do you ever get distracted by God? Thinking about his goodness, thinking about like, like how he created things or, or, or thinking about all the things in your life that have just kind of come together. See, like the, the prayer, is not, this, prayer is not always like this, right? Like it, it's, this, it's something that flows out of us when we're in the right space, when we're, when we're doing it right. It just comes out. We just find ourselves talking to God. We find, and in, 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 in Mike, I'll ask you again the question, like, do you find yourself talking to God more this year than you did last year? And congratulations, your heart is moving towards God. God is slowly more and more becoming the center of your life. It's that simple. And then he says, we're going we're gonna to end with the Lord's Prayer. We're going to pray it together. But here's the thing. Coming back to that word heartbreak, I think the reason why Jesus is so staunch on this, hey, what do you do? What's your solitude look like? How do you spend your money? Do you, do you, are you, with your money, a heart towards God is growing in generosity. It's growing into like, I'm giving more away than I used to. I'm giving more towards God. And if the idea of giving 10%, which is, to, I don't know if you know this, but like to tithe if, you tithe, if you grew up in church, you know what tithing is. It's like to give to the church or to give to God. That, you, can't, you, say, you can't say, oh, I, I tithe $100 unless $100 is 10% of what you make. To tithe is literally a 10%, like if, if, if 10% of what you make. If the idea of giving 10% or maybe even more because the biblical model is like we should be growing in generosity. And some of us, like I know some of our stories, like we're richer now than we ever have been. Maybe, and that might not be your story. But for those of us who it is our story, like, like are, you, are you growing in generosity? You know, 10, 15 years ago, if you were looking, you're like, I'll, I'll never have that much money, and you now have it. Is, has that grown? That's a sign that your heart is moving towards God. You know? And here's the thing. Why would God ask this of us? Does he need our money? Does he need our thoughts? Does he need our time? No, he doesn't need any of that. But he wants our hearts. And he knows that if we spend our time and money over here, over here, and over there, and we lean on those and those become our things, he knows that we should never put our weight on those so much to where it's on stuff that could be taken away. And can I just shoot straight with you guys? And I, I just can't. I've literally been thinking about this line of thought for the last three months. It's just stuck in my noggin. It's all going to go away anyway. Like, even in the best scenario, like, like, not, like you don't walk out today and get hit by a bus, but like you get a long and happy life. 
you know, 80, 85, 90, 95, whatever that, you know, like whatever long would be, you get that life, and life starts to slow down. Guess what's going to happen with your thought of the idea of your spare time? You don't have much of it anymore. And guess what's going to happen when it talks about your spare change? If at age 85 somebody's like, guess what I'm going to do? I am going to quadruple how much money you have. Be like, sweet, great. That doesn't really change your life. And here's, I was talking with a friend, um, my friend Terry Tucker. You guys, I've mentioned her quite a few times. And, and she and I have some of the most profound conversations. And we're talking about aging. She lost her husband. Uh, I lost my dad three years ago. She lost her husband six more months before that in a very similar way, like an eerie similar way. And it's like we just really connect around this loss of life. Her husband, my dad, you know, just like, and we, we circle back on that a lot. And we just talk about, we're talking about aging. We're talking about dying. We're talking about life. And we're like, this is actually, like, the fact that life slows down, the fact that life actually, like, almost comes to a halt at the end, it sounds, it's, it's like, it's probably what you and I, if you're honest, it's something you probably fear the most. I know I do. Like, the idea of, like, losing mobility or, or something like that scares me because I love the things that I do, but it makes me think and stop and think, okay, but if I didn't have that, what would be left? And see, I think it's God's mercy in our lives that things slow down in such a way and we start to, like, in the end, we just, we are not smitten by this and we know we don't have this and then all of a sudden we, we are forced to ask, okay, but what is left? And Terry and I were talking in that, that night, evening or that morning, just that phrase, but all I have is you, Lord. All I have is you. And the reality is, is right now, you don't have any, like truly, we don't have the, all of these things will go away. We don't ha really have more than God himself, but we just have a hard time seeing it while we're in, you know, this and that and go and money and this and, and time and fun and time, you know, our time off and where are we going to go this year? Where, what are we going to visit? What, what adventures are we going to take? What are we going to do with the kids? You know, whatever it is you're looking forward to, there's going to come a time in a good, even in a great scenario, where all of that's stripped away, what's left? And guys, my goal for today is just to paint a, a, a picture, a vision in our brain of something beautiful. Did you know that, that if all of this was stripped away, if you lost the things that, that were most dear to you, you, you lost you, your, a career that you enjoyed. You, lo you lost your fortune. You lost, you lost something physically. In your, you know, like you can't do the things physically. Like if that was just gone tomorrow, it would, we would grieve it. We would be sad. And, and, and I think that God would join us in our grief. And he would join us in our sadness. But if your heart moving towards God this is one of the most incredible things, and it just like smacked me in the face in the last couple of days. You're a very rich person. Do, do you realize that like, like there's nothing that this world can do and that can take away from you if you're a heart moving towards God, if your ultimate desire, your pleasure, your delight in life is God himself, guess what? That can't be taken away. I'm reading... Um, the Count of Monte Cristo right now. 
which is a book that's better measured by inches than pages. It's like, and there's a character in there. If, how many of you have ever seen the movie or read the book, The Count of Monte Cristo? All right, so a couple of you. Really, it's a really good film. I mean, the book, if you got a spare day or two to just read, you know, for all day, you know, read this book. But if you can't watch the movie for sure, there's a character in there. So the main character is Dantes, Edmund Dantes. And he's, he gets framed for something by good friends and then gets thrown into prison. And he, do, he doesn't understand any of it. He's struggling. He's wrestling. He's a young man. And he's in solitary confinement in, in this prison in France for years. And he's literally going mad. And one day, while he's sitting there, a, 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 another prisoner had been burrowing a hole and actually dug up, like came into his cell and made, basically made the wrong choice. Like, if he'd gone that way, he'd be free. But he went this way, and now he's stuck with Dantes. And the, the man's an older man, and he's a priest. He's an abbey. And Dantes, as they, like, at, at first is terrified of what he's like. I'm hallucinating. I'm going crazy. But no, this is a real person. And then they start talking, and he realizes that for the last, I think it was four years of solitary confinement at that point, He'd been doing it all wrong, and that this older man had a sharp mind and a brain, and he'd been studied, he'd been learned, he's a priest, so he's, he's spiritual. And even though that that man was in prison for all those, he actually more years than Dantes had been, he was actually in an okay place because of his mind. Because the, basically his captors had tried to strip everything away from him. But the reality is, is because of where his mind was at, where his heart was at, is the spiritual nature of this man. Because what was at his center, it was doable. It was, I actually, I literally have been daydreaming about growing old in the last couple months. And what I might do with the Lord. What we, what, what we might actually get to talk about, what, what, what books I might actually get to read. So I got all these books on my shelf. I don't get to read. You know, like it's just, but if the Lord is your delight, if the Lord is the center of your life, and if the Lord is becoming more and more the center of your life, year after year, I applaud you. You have good things in store for you, no matter what life throws at you. Isn't that comforting? Isn't that amazing? That's what's offered us in the kingdom of God. We just got to make sure we keep these things in check. We got to check our time every once in a while. Hey, 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 where, where does my mind just drift to? Is, is God at the center of that? Okay, where do I spend our money? And, and talk about it with your family. How do we make sure that money isn't getting the best of us? Because it can lead towards heartbreak. But if God is the center of your life, that's a life worth living. Amen. I want to put this, this prayer up. This is the Lord's Prayer. Some of you grew up, if you grew up in church, there's a good chance. Uh, if it was a more traditional church, you've said this prayer. We're going to read it out loud. We're going to read it by these words. It might be a little bit different than how you memorized it as a kid, but what we're going to find is, and this is what's so cool, and this is a good way to kind of check your prayers. Some of you are like, yeah, I pray. If, when you pray, this is how Jesus says to pray. Who is at the center of your prayers? 
It's an interesting question. Is it like, Lord, would you do this? Lord, would you bless my kids? Lord, 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 Lord. I, I, think there's, I think there's actually a time and a place for those kind of prayers. When we're frazzled and we come before the Lord with those frazzled prayers, I think he smiles. I want you to know that. But Jesus is like, hey, if you really, if you really want to pray right, it starts out with our Father who art in heaven. And then the next lines, this is so cool, guys. The prayer moves. And it's, it's basically the first few lines are just fixing our gaze on God, on his perfection, his majesty, his holiness. It, hallowed be your name. Your name is holy. Your name is sacred, Lord. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Before I say anything, Lord, I want to just say this. I want your will to happen. See how that's, that's so different than how I usually attack prayer. I usually attack prayer like a to-do list and then pray for this and then this and this. You got all that, God? Are you writing this down? You know, like, like I'm fixated on me. But a heart moving towards God prays like this, Lord, you know my heart. I don't even have to say these things because you know my heart so well. You know what I've gone through today. I want your will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. And then it says, give us this day. And it, it turns back and then it says, give, give us our bread. Help, help us to deal with each other. Help us as we forgive each other. Help others as they forgive me because I, I, I've let them down too. Let's pray this together. And I just I pray that this would be uh, our hearts, that this prayer would be a, a way for our hearts to move towards him this morning. You want to put that up, Trevor? This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as all, we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Let's pray. Lord, life is so complicated. It gets so fast. It gets so crazy sometimes that, frankly, we are all in danger of missing you. And I pray that we would be people, my, my prayer for my friends today is that we would be people who are centered on you. And maybe not, maybe not overnight, but eventually over time, we become, when we think of our spare time, when we have spare time, you just find your way into our thoughts. And as it, when it comes to our money, Lord, that, that we would be people that over time, we just, we become more generous because, Lord, it's all going to go away anyway someday. So help us not to lean on it today. I pray for the students in the room as, as they're figuring out life, that you would be a part of that life. And not just a small part, of it, like a periphery part, but you would be the center of their lives. You would be their delight, their stronghold, where they turn in a storm and where they turn when life is going well. We pray, Lord, that we would be people whose hearts are moving towards you. Amen.